0: Screaming every contest, Jones, Hardy Jones, he's kicked it. Bronson Piercy, Waitman still in the zone. Waitman for number six. Waitman for number six. Party time for Cody. Daniel, fast hands. Baker for the pocket. I think he's kicked it. He has. Brilliant stuff from the Dogs. Thought about it, chased his mind, Libertore can get ball to boot and get it directed. What a reflex goal that was from Liberatore. English feeds it to Trelaw. Trelaw runs inside 50 and the Docks are in front. Set up a little bit, stripped away by Bontempelli, Smith is there, he ain't gonna be needed. What a magician this man is.
1: For the first time in 2024, welcome one and all to the Salty Bulldog Podcast, where we seek to answer the most important question of all Can I donate my ACL to a professional athlete? My name is Matthew Donald, of course, the regular co host of the Salty Bulldog, and I'm joined as always by my regular Nick Galea. Nick, before I welcome you to the program, it's been a hectic off season for those following the Western Bulldogs, with everything from reviews, injuries, contracts, concussions, reviews of reviews, and on field promises all hitting the headlines at some stage during the summer. But the time for talk is almost at an end, with the club needing to answer several on-field questions over the coming months in this, the club's 100th season at V-slash-AFL level. But before I throw to you, Nick, there is one quote that I need to start the program with this year, and it comes from Luke Beveridge. On November 29, Beveridge made this commitment to the playing group. The team that represents the footy club against Melbourne in Round 1 at the MCG will be our fittest, strongest and most ready team that has ever taken the field in the nine years I've been here. It is quite a bold commitment and whether Beveridge likes it or not, it's a commitment to the players that they will be this and a promise to the club supporters and we're less than a month away from seeing whether they come good on this pledge. Welcome to you for the first time this year Nick.
0: Hello, Matthew. Hello, everyone. Welcome back, of course, to the Salty Bulldog. It is another season uh, just about underway for the club. But, uh, yes, we've got the ball rolling on our end here. It's it's fantastic to be back, of course, Matt. And, uh, oh, geez, Uh, of course, season 2024. If it's anything like last year, I think you and I will be in, and many of our fans will be in for a world of paint. (laughs) If it's anything like um, what we would hope it would be, it could be a wonderful dream as I stare right now um, at the Premiership poster uh, as I speak, just then and there. So, oh, that's wonderful. It's so, good to good to reminisce and reflect back on on you know successful times.
1: It's always an interesting it's... time of the year this for for every group of supporters because there's. I mean,
0: everyone's having the finest preseason ever. Yep. Everyone's
1: everyone's training the house down. Everyone's putting together PBs on on the track and everyone's on an even keel. We're all at zero zero. And I reckon just, I reckon a good, maybe not every single club in the competition, but the vast, vast majority could put together a case as to why this year could be the year. And despite the, despite the flaws with the Bulldogs and what we saw last year, there are strong arguments as to why we could be at the very peak of the mountain at the end of
0: 2024. Yes, I I want to... Obviously, last year we had our... It wasn't a poor year in that context. It it, sounds weird. It sounds weird. It wasn't a poor year. The year before, in 2022, we never looked like going anywhere, okay, in that context. 2022 was pathetic to say the least okay we, we never got the ball rolling we were completely up and down last year there were moments of absolute disaster and there were moments of hang on a moment again there's there is some actual legitimacy to, to this group there is some sort of capacity to to go on with things and that's what made again last year disappointing in different ways because we got ourselves into a good position and we threw it away and then when we were down in the dumps we salvaged and then it kept tossing and turning in that side of things where it's not that we didn't know what we were going to i still understand we didn't know what we were last year whether we were capable of pulling a surprise or well surprising ourselves just at how bad we could be unlike the previous year where we just we knew exactly what we were which was unfortunately quite quite middling despite making or somehow sneaking into finals in that context now Last year, yes, we had oh geez, uh, arguably two of the, at least one of them, arguably two of the most embarrassing losses we've ever had uh, within our football club's history. Okay, no, no two ways about it. At the back end of the of the season, and those two losses were were gut wrenching for different ways because it, again, it fell short of the expectations, and it uh, displayed that the group still mentally, which was again a concern, wasn't switched on. Now, let's just bring it back a little bit, okay? So, obviously, the first two rounds of the season last year, oh, geez, that was um, something of another world in comparison to to the back end of the season. Within the season, within those matches, from round three to round 20 itself, okay, where we only lost, or the biggest margin of a game that we suffered uh, defeats was by 21 points. Okay? So, of course, there were two closer losses, again, towards the back end of the year, but our season at a point in time at least looked to be moving in the right direction until, of course, the oh, the capitulation at the end. So, the question is here, we've again had personnel changes, which, you know, many of us are quite well aware of. We've had Player departures, not only, of course, from last year, but the year prior and the years prior to that. So it's it's a different version of a Bulldog outfit. And we've obviously got a lot of things that we've got to take into account, not just on the field, but, of course, off the field, which we elaborated a bit on last year. And we'll probably have a bit further conversations about that uh, later in this episode to, to rehash everything, I guess.
1: Probably a good segue that, because it's worthwhile having a look at the state of play. I know we we reviewed the ins and outs before we were done with, with their episodes yeah, bit last a, year. A bit of a
0: rundown, I reckon?
1: Bit of a bit of a recap of what happened in the offseason last year with all the player departures. We'll start with firstly. So we'll look at the ones that we farewell so the outs. So Hayden Crozier was delisted and ultimately made the decision to retire. Toby McLean was delisted 2016 Premiership player. Josh Bruce Retired after that ACL injury sustained late in the season. Tim O'Brien, Robbie McComb, Mitch Hannon, Rourke Smith, all delisted as well for various different
0: reasons. Jordan Sweet. I don't think Mitch Hannon's involved at the club, to my knowledge, or at least in some sort of capacity. I can't remember if it's with uh, with Riley Sanders possibly.
1: Yeah, he has had a bit of an involvement with Sanders. We might chat about that later as well. Jordan Sweet was the only Mm -hmm. player from last year's departures, that's found a new home. He requested a trade to Port Adelaide and got that move over the line late on in the piece. So he's now at Port Good Adelaide. So they're the outs. The They've been offset by some very handy ins, which I'm, I'm, I know we're looking forward to seeing some of these players in action. And what I'll do as well is I'll go through the players in order of what Guernsey number they've got as well, because you know, ah, new a recruits, challenges. new numbers. Uh, so these are the names and numbers to keep eyes and ears out for in 2024 the big fish riley sanders picks six in the draft he wears number nine jordan croft son of matthew wears number 16 nick coffield back at his boyhood club wearing number 17. james harms from melbourne picks up number 22 and the rest uh well not all the rest of them sorry one is uh a former afl player joel frazier wearing number 27 Lockie Bramble is that former AFL player from Hawthorne. He was picked up in the uh, SSP. He wears number 29. Aidan O'Driscoll, number 37, the boy from Perth. And Lockie Smith, the big ruckman, wears number 40. So those are the new wins for this year. Nick, oh, tell me... Yeah. All right, we all we we're all looking forward to seeing Riley Sanders play, and we're going to talk about Riley Sanders a lot. And I think he's, he's the obvious answer to which of the recruits are you most excited to see.
0: Who's next on the list for you? In terms of that, yes, it's, it's sort of, how would I describe it? It's a very good question because it's the first time again in a few years. Uh, this is, of course, probably since uh, before the draft when we picked up Jamara. That we've actually now got some, you know, dare I say the phrase, young talent time at the moment. We've been able to mm-hmm. uh, to refresh the list, restock the list and replenish. I mean, it's the same words, but there's different versions of them. Where some offer optimism, some offer uh, the ideas of support, and some offer the ideas of recharging the group. And it's it's a different combination. So the player that's probably, I'd say, giving me probably a bit of excitement here, uh, on our end, might be, yeah, I reckon we'll stick with Joel Frazier.
1: I'm I'm glad you said Fraser. Now I've I don't know. Do you, do you have because like I mean, do you have a a guilty player type? Like there's just a, there's just a type of player that every time you see one of them, you go, oh my goodness, this could be anything. Because for me, it's tall wingers. Every some every time I see a tall winger come through the t- system, tall
0: wingers, you say, tall winger, come on down, Tim English.
1: Well, I mean, maybe he's a bit too tall, uh, but. I remember they, they they experimented with the role with Rory Lobb last year for a bit. and They had him starting Not on sure. the wing, and I was one of the few people that saw that move and was kind of on board with it a little bit. And I, I even makes, remember it
0: had some sense. It did make some sense. Very surprising, though. Yeah, nonetheless.
1: Again, maybe maybe a bit too tall. But I I and you know I've I've been critical of Beveridge at times for getting a bit too carried away with player movement and swing plays into unfamiliar positions. I didn't mind that one. That was one of the few that I was sort of all right with. And Joel Frazier. I mean, he. I mean, he. I mean, he was someone who kicked in the under eighteen championships. He kicked six goals from the wing one day, uh, up in up in Ballarat. And I'll tell you, kicking about a bag of six is difficult at the best of times. Do it from the wing is particularly special.
0: Yes. Uh, 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 there we go. That's it. You know, fr- from what we can see, here's another outlandish call to start 2024. And this is not exactly serious, but who else has kicked goals from the wing? Gary Ablett Senior. So there you go, Joel <laughs> Frazier. You're compared to the great man straight away. Oh, oh,
1: geez. I tell you what, hiding to nothing for, for poor old Joel. <laughs> y- you know whose preseason has, has, has impressed me in a, in a surprising manner, though, of the, of the new arrivals? has been James Harms. It sounds like he's had a bit more of an impact than... Certainly what I was expecting, I know you've been, uh, I think you've been a, a bigger fan of what he can bring to the table than I've been in the past few months, but just from the reports that are coming through and what he's been able to do, particularly in the intra-club matches, sounding very positive in that sort of half-forward-slash-midfield role.
0: Coming across on a, was it, a three-year deal, wasn't it? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think it was three-year deal on about five hundred a year, which sounds like a lot. But you've got to remember that the uh, collective bargaining agreement kicks in now, so five hundred thousand is not as much as it once was in the salary cap. And I think for supporters, this will take a bit of getting used to. Uh, when we when we talk about how much a player is worth, and we say, "Oh, gee, that's a that's a lot." They're not worth that much, but it's it's relative to an increased salary cap size now. So I probably would have said this time 12 months ago i wouldn't take james arms at five hundred thousand, but it's a different salary cap that we're working with
0: hmm. it is different to so that'll keep going until the uh 2027 season i believe it would be as far as i'm sounds concerned sounds right sounds right yeah hmm. that's right because the original deal was 2022 and they pushed it and extended it due to the covid situation um on, on the expiring terms. And then, uh, yes, obviously the new collective bargaining agreements are taking place in that sense. So that's not too bad. So I love- probably, We probably do, we probably do need, we probably did need to play a lot like harms. And we have had uh, one in the past. We even had one, of course, uh, I'm going to make a compassion again, uh, about half a dozen years ago when we had uh, Liam Picken on the list. One of those selfless types in that side of things. Mm-hmm. That's how I reckon it's not a bad shout where you know that there's a lot of commitments and that's what we would uh, you know ideally and you know, i think what is very much the case what we will get from from harms
1: and and i think that's been evident in what he's been able to do in the in the practice matches so far of these names sanders croft coffield harms fraser bramble odriscoll smith round one is less than a month away and it's the second weekend of football we'll take a bit to getting used to how many of those players play in round one against Melbourne. Hmm. How many Getting of them are part question. of that fittest, most ready side that we've seen in nine years?
0: It's not even just even some of those players too. It's even of that list, how many of those uh, outside of that, uh, those sort of players that are coming in. But uh, look, what we'd expect, at least in this, I sort of think let's tick them off. Here we go. So do you reckon Nick Caulfield plays or not? First See,
1: ball. I I don't know, because I've yes, not really especially, heard. I've
0: I've especially not heard, with Karmas now playing down back.
1: Yes, yes. So the the defence is a is a was a big concern last year, and it will, there'll be a lot of question marks over it again this year. And and I do want to touch on that a, a little bit later on, and particularly what Daniel Pratt might bring to the table. But I've not heard much come out of the the Bulldogs camp about what a ripping pre-season Caulfield has had. In the same way, we've heard a lot of positive things about Harms. We've heard a lot of positive things about Sanders. We've not quite heard that sort of glowing review of Caulfield
0: yet. Hmm. That's a very good, it is a very good point. I wonder, look, off the base of that, I think, um well, for the most part, it's pretty safe to assume we will be seeing uh, James Harms. We will be seeing Riley Sanders.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: question is on the other side of things. We don't, at least I wouldn't expect to see Jordan Croft at least now. Still think he'll be again fast tracking him, but I have every confidence um, after two two years that he will probably be our fullback come the twenty twenty six season.
1: You've been you've been very consistent in that. You've been very consistent in that even before he he arrived at the at the club. Like well, he was always going to end up at the Dogs, but prior to draft night when all the talk was around, you know, the, the draft prospects, you were very consistent that Jordan Croft, as a, as a full-back, not necessarily in 12 or 24 months, but in a few years down the track, when he has, when he has developed... Uh, and has yes. accustomed himself to the rigours of AFL football, that that would be his yes, position. The,
0: the, club had, the club had probably made it exceptionally clear to, uh, to Crofton. You know, everyone's got to keep um, you know, an open honesty policy you know, to know what expectations are going about. And you know, probably from the midway portion of last year, um, probably even earlier, um, that the club would have made it uh, you know, clear in what their, their goals and their ambitions would have been for, provided, of course, at the time. Uh, were they to take Croft in the draft, and from again for the understandings, I think uh, you know, he's probably taken to it uh, quite well, and he's himself understanding. Yep, this is this is the the best fit for the club, and this is the best fit for for himself in that sense, where he can go on to have a you know a good career.
1: And to be honest, I, I think if he is going to get a game this season, it's going to be down back where it's going to be the most likely spot on the ground so you think of what the dogs have gotten in, in the forward line and we've talked about their tools up forward you know ad nauseum for over a year now but aaron norton who's been the leading goal kicker for the last two seasons now uh there's no reason to suggest he won't continue to play there jamari eagle hagen is is ready to take the next big step they played rory lob down there a lot last year tim english can play down there and 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 tim english has been on record in in recent days talking about how he'd be prepared to play a bit more time up forward to allow Rory Lobb to play in the ruck a bit more. Uh, and then there's Sam Darcy, what they do with him as well, whether he's a forward or a defender. Karmas was down there last season, but as you, you mentioned earlier, he's made the move down back. So that's one spot up the queue that Croft jumps. But there'd, be an, there'd need to be an awful lot of players going down with injuries uh, or some form of unavailability before Croft actually gets a look in. Whereas if you turn to the back line, You've got Jones and Keith who are, well, let's be honest, they're 24 months away at, at best. I mean, particularly for Keith, I'm, I'm amazed he's he's managed to
0: get this far. Oh, I think Keith, Keith is a, oh, he's a, how would I say, game by game proposition. Yeah, he's on, he's on a, he's, I reckon.
1: He's on a, <laughs> a week by week contract at this stage. Yeah, um,
0: effectively, yes. Oh, geez. You've we, got, we had our concerns last year on. It's it's almost part of his contract that he has to be, uh, you know, missing an extended period of time by the looks of it on occasions. But uh, no, touch what he can get through again, um, seems to have survived this particular preseason and no, touch what he can get through, you know, the season proper.
1: I'd say he's limped through the preseason. In addition to into that, you've got James O'Donnell and Jed Buzzlinger as, as key backs who have combined for about 12 games between them.
0: And I, I, I mean, such responsibility, such responsibility and 12 games all come from one bloke.
1: And, oh and, and whether either of them have the ceiling to play the number one key defensive post is, is another matter entirely. And then aside from that, your only other option is Gardner, who really is the only mature option that's, you know, still got a bit of footy ahead of him, but has got a few years experience in the system. And he's no guarantee of a of best 22 spot either. So it's pretty slim pickings from the key defensive posts. So I, I mean, if if cross yes, and, and the we, we know Finn, we know your
0: thoughts on we know your thoughts very much on a, a particular key defender that could have been could frozen. have been
1: uh, Ethan Phillips. It's done now, but I I'll, I'm re- and I'm really keen to see him and play for Hawthorne this year. Like it, it I, I don't often have a second side, but it might just be Hawthorne now given that Phillips is going to be playing for the most weeks.
0: Okay. I, 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 settle <laughs> down here, Matt. Please wash your <laughs> mouth at the moment after, you know, sprouting yeah. that absolute, you know, dross right there. Oh, jeez.
1: No, keep, no, no. Keep, no, it, this keep is...
0: an eye. Again, if, if all you supplicators out there, just tap on to Ethan Phillips and there's your defensive yep. seven and eight. That's that's well it.
1: That, that That is it. That's, that's, a, that's a very good point. I was going to say that, that. as well. Ethan Phillips, get him no. in. <laughs> get him in. No, Nick. He'll play every week, and he'll just take intercept marks for fun. I've been on this for
0: two, three years now. Yes, yes, sir. I still. We'll find out now what might be the case. Actually, I don't know. Um, do we know? Not that he's for our club now, but do we know if it's a six-month contract or an eighteen-month, or what's Do you know what he's set in stone? Uh-huh. Because obviously, the players can uh, can select the the deals that they would like to. It would to it, take on.
1: It would be at least twelve months.
0: Potentially, yeah. Because it's, and it's some because that have what taken on six what
1: months what, ha, what happens in June or um, or July, and he's out, he's hypothetically out of contract.
0: Hmm. But, the, the, no, just it would be a, it would if, be at least when the formal contract starts. Yeah, it would be at oh, least. I'm thinking, of, I'm thinking of mid-season you are, contracts. You yeah, when yeah, they, yeah. Obviously, yes, yes. They're yes, a little yes.
1: different, um, but no, he'll he'll be there on the whole this this not for the whole season, and we'll get a very good look at him firsthand on Friday because the Bulldogs play their first practice match. It's an unofficial practice match, not that practice matches are ever official, but there'll be a a practice match between the Bulldogs and the Hawks at the Western Oval this Friday prior to their official pre-season match, which will take place in Tasmania, and I'm going to say that's on the 2nd of March.
0: Which is oh, fantastic. next another week. game I can't attend. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs>
1: to be fair, I, I can't either. But we'll get a very good look at Ethan Phillips and we'll get a very good look at some of the other draftees that
0: oh, have uh, straight to uh, straight to KO for me, I reckon. That's pretty much <laughs> what it's gonna be. Uh
1: the big I mean, there's been a lot of injury news as as well. Um and no injury news is ever good. The big one though is coming out of the midfield. So last year we had to cope without Josh Dunkley. This year we have to cope without Bailey Smith, who his
0: and This ACL. was meant to be the year where he gets a bit more midfield minutes. Well,
1: I mean, yeah, allegedly this was. I mean, he was tra- he was another one who was training the house down, wasn't he? And, and but that's never been the issue with Smith. His training and his application has never been a problem. Um, the issue's been other areas. We'll get to get to that a little later on. But ruptured his ACL at training during the summer fairly innocuous incident as far as i understand but 2024 is all but done for bailey smith like we can i mean yeah i i I, will go on a little bit of a a, a, just a bit of a rant here i mean I, i love this club more than anyone but they do have a tendency to do some things that are really kind of strange at times like bailey smith is out for the year i mean people will want to say never say never and, you know, he might make a remac- miraculous recovery to play finals for us, but let's be realistic, he's probably not playing this year. So it opens up a spot on the list. I mean, we're one place short in essence and the Dogs haven't placed Smith on the long-term injury list and they haven't replaced him with anyone, which they can do via the, the SSP or at least they could. The deadline is is now closed for that. That closed uh, yesterday on the Monday. I don't understand what... what the going on with that is unless i mean it could be one of two things a they want to hold that that vacancy for the midseason draft which okay but you know that means you're a play short up until then you could just fill that vacancy now or b they actually believe that Bailey Smith could be available at some point later in the year but he's still going to be injured for a long long time i don't know whether you have any thoughts or or theories on on what's going on there. I mean, it could just be the dogs don't know of anybody worth while adding to the list as well. That could be another one. I don't know how you see it.
0: Now again, it's, a, it's it's a fair point because with us, we've seen our club go in the last few years. We've had we've still got a you know still a very fine midfield group, but it's taken a few hits in recent years, hasn't it? Yeah. Of course, uh, Smith in this case now. We've had the form drop off uh, of Jackson McRae. We've had Josh Dunkley's departure. We've had the Lockie Hunter situation uh, within the within the club's four walls. And it's just what what was an incredible midfield group. But still, you know, still got a lot of respect in that side of things. But it needs to be very delicately looked after, and that's probably why we're while we're quite content and while the club was, you know, had their eyes of course on, you know, Riley Sanders ahead of, you know, small forwards uh, like Watson, who's now with the Hawks and that side thing. So it's, a, it's a, again, a, an interesting mix. And we've had, you know, again, players that have departed, you know, the likes of uh, Toby McLean, who, who was a, a good midfield option at the time, you know, had a lovely balance between, you know, outside and inside uh, ball winning abilities and, I'm very intrigued to see how they go about you know doing this stuff because again Smith's one of our you know few outside runners and trying to get that balance within within the playing or the midfield group that is 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 another challenge which I don't know it's not that we've got reservations about but we're all I think we're more intrigued than excited to see what becomes of them this year in that department
1: I think I, I said at the time that Riley Sanders was the sensible selection in the draft. I mean, not that we ultimately had a choice in the end, because the likes of uh, the likes of Nick Watson and Zane Dersmer had already gone by by that point. They'd already been picked up by the clubs. But I was all on board Nick Watson at the at the at the club, rounding out that exciting forward line that you've got Norton, Ugal Hagen, Cody Waitman, potentially Sam Darcy. Add Nick Watson into that as well. My God. Uh, that would just be fun to watch for the best part of a decade, not to be. But I tell you what, with this injury to Smith, the Sanders up, op- the Sanders pick up. I mean, yes, you're looking, you know, far beyond just twelve months when you pick up draftees, but it's looking like a pretty good choice now.
0: Hmm. Because am no, quite, you, if quite you, excited to because quite if if you, excited to see what Sanders can do.
1: If you consider the alternative, which are. is which is Bontepelli, libertori, a great start, Trelaw, good option. An injured McRae. I mean, you say McRae was down on
0: on form last year.
1: I, I maintain that he was playing injured for, well, since no, round
0: he he could not have played. Not that he played poorly, but because he's had a he's got a high standard. Okay, and even yeah. if he has a poor game, it's still a high caliber match, but not to the, you know, to the, to the style of football that we would have expected from him in the past. So, yeah. it is unfortunate. And, but you're right. Yes, it's it's taken a bit of a, a little bit of a hit.
1: So. Before we get on to, to McRae, who's, uh, who's another one of the, the injury victims in, in the midfield, how did it always go without Bailey Smith this year? Now, how, how significant a loss is he? Because, I mean, people are enamored with Bailey Smith, the you know what he can do on-field and off-field, and I understand that. I would argue, though, that since 2020, we had a very good second season in 2020, But I I argue since that point, he's been not more often than he's been hot. So, he didn't have a very good 2021 season. He had a very, very good finals campaign in 2021. Uh, But his home and away form that year was pretty shoddy, aside from the odd game or two. The first half of 2022 was very, very good. I I think he polled 13 or 14 Brownlow votes by the midway point of the season. So, all Australian form, absolutely. Absolutely then there was the headbutt and then the substance instance he missed four games he wasn't very good for when he did return for the rest of the year and in 2023 he wasn't much good either so uh, as no, he a we couple know, of
0: games at the, we the start a, of the year wasn't it yeah
1: we know he's a great player and i'm not disputing he's not a great player but how much are we actually losing without bailey smith you know, are we really losing as much as we think we are or are we overstating his contributions on the whole over the past few years? Because his best footballers just... probably
0: are probably under underestimating what could be there. To be honest, Matt, because now as I said the the well has got a little bit drier in that side sort of things in terms of yeah. who we can call upon as ready-made. So look again, it provides different levels of opportunities. And uh, one of my uh, and how would I say one of my boys, of course, in Harvey Gallagher will will probably likely see some uh, game time on the wing. So it's probably not a bad fit having these options. I'm not saying this is going to happen, but again, there's been you know little murmurs and whatnot, of course, where they could look to have a bit more speed on the wing and that running power and whether that does, and I've I've brought it up to a couple of uh, colleagues uh, and some other friends. And I'm not saying this is happening, but, the idea of obviously having the defense's role is to defend first and attack second, isn't it? Now that's what we'll probably notice with the idea of say, Karmas heading them back, the ability to win the ball back. Caulfield, uh, you know, joining the club, the ability to win the ball back as an intercept defender. Now, we've got these tops of runners you know we've got the likes of ed richards we've got uh, jason johansson who supposedly is again having a, a fine preseason which is which is nice to see uh, down back oh good
1: course. good good i'm glad we've established so
0: that's, that that's fantastic uh, that's fantastic there's a name i want to throw up in the sense of and again i'm not saying this is happening i think it wouldn't be the worst idea if Bailey Dale was played a bit higher up the ground. Okay. He's not necessarily again a great defender per se. He does drive a lot of the ball going forward for us, but he did come to us as again an outside winger. He's got good running power, he's got good foot skills, and mm-hmm. we've got enough good ball users down back in that side of things, too, where you don't have to worry about losing that attacking mouse but you can increase the defensive capabilities. Those that can win the ball back, those that don't lose track of their opponents, those that make the opposition forwards in this case realize I'm in for a hard day at the office here, not or someone's going to run off the ball and I'm just going to play off him sort of side of things. See where I'm coming from?
1: Yeah. So Daniel Pratt is the new defensive coach and I'm really interested to see how, how it goes with him. So, I mean, what he aims to... What he brings, how he tries to implement it, who he uses to try and implement it with, and ultimately, whether it works, are all really fascinating questions that surround what Daniel Pratt can contribute to the club in in 2023, and 2024, rather. The defence has been a big issue for the Bulldogs in the past few years. They went and, and sort of remedied that a bit A couple of seasons ago with Liam Jones, who's well and truly in the second half of his career now. They've tried bringing in, like, tried reinventing players like Josh Bruce, which haven't worked to the extent they would have liked. They've tried bringing in players like Bailey Dale, and that sort of move has worked. But Daniel Pratt replacing Rowan Smith, what we're going to see is a very, very, very different setup. So, I mean, we sort of look at the personnel like, oh, who's going to play that? You know, key defensive posts. Can we? Can we? What? It, can O'Donnell and a kick on? And can Liam Jones get through another season? And what of Alex Keith and Ryan Gardner? But it's going to be a really different defensive setup. I think what we're going to see the significant changes are going to be in the system rather than in any one individual on field, from a personnel standpoint. I'm really fascinated to see how this new look defense as a system works with the rest of the logs on field setup. How does it connect with the midfield? How does it transition from defensive fifty to offensive fifty? You know, how do we prevent the opposition taking marks and kicking goals? That's pretty important if you're in the back line as well. And and who as well? Because as you say, Bailey Dale is an option that you might want to push further up the ground. You can push further up the ground. We saw them do that with Caleb Daniel last year. Uh, looks like Ed Richards has finally sort of found his spot back there. They've got O'Donnell, who's developing. They've thrown Bukakamas back there as well. So, what's it going to look like? And then you add Coffield also to that mix. What he can contribute,
0: mm.
1: and do they go with Sandarsy yeah, down too. back?
0: That's that's another thing too. I know we've obviously mentioned him a bit at the start of the episode, but we were uh, we've just been discussing defensive structures and setups and systems, and neither of us has thrown in the name Alex
1: Keith I I, I agree that he is not first choice and that he's there as insurance I I think I said this to you at the time I I think because I I can't quite remember when Alex Keith was signed up but I vaguely recall something along the lines of of me speculating at least that Keith is going to remain in limbo until the dogs can't secure someone else from somewhere else. And if they can't, then they'll sign him on for one more year, but if they can, they'll just let Keith go. Now, I can't remember exactly when he signed that one, that uh, that contract extension, but that sounds about right.
0: So, he had originally signed a three-year deal with a trigger for a fourth. So, that was obviously at 20, 21, 22. You would have made mention of those discussions probably towards the midway to back-end parts of 2022, I would assume.
1: Actually, now that I think about it, I could be confusing him with Taylor Jure, who is in a similar or a similarly in-limbo yes, style and, position.
0: Indeed, and Jure, Jure is also pretty much like Alex keep in this situation. They're sort of holding the force, but there's there's no one really yet stamping their authority, saying, this spot is mine.
1: Well, I remember the back-end of Jure season last
0: year was, you know...
1: A bit uh, of a concern. It's been a
0: while since, uh, yeah. We've got, got a lot of small. Uh, we've caught a lot of goals from small forwards in go, there. Gone, in, the, gone to the days the where half. you can
1: just drop his magnet on Charlie Cameron in a, in a semi-final, and and that's it.
0: Yeah, look, he's probably running his race, and again, he'll be there for the experience factor. And we'll, we'll probably we'll talk a bit more about him, of course, a bit later. But look, it's still nice to have a player of his credentials on the list and to be able to guide a few players through. Now, as you mentioned about Keith being insurance, that probably is the case uh, too with Taylor Duray.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I haven't seen many Bulldogs fans with Keith or Duray in the best 22. Kind of depends on on whether they need to go with two or three key defenders or whether they go with two key defenders and, and that third sort of hybrid and who that third hybrid is? I mean, ah, it's, it's, quite, it's quite... I don't think
0: we even need the hybrid now because now we've got potentially the third and fourth tools are the hybrids as they are, aren't they? Well, who are they? There is there is your Richards. There is your Coffield.
1: No, I wouldn't say... I'd say Coffield.
0: Medium-sized, Caulfield, medium-sized yes. defenders that can defend one-on-one. Coffield so definitely you are. You're playing You're playing two fourths that are capable of playing as thirds.
1: Coffield, yes, as a hybrid. Carmos, yes, is a hybrid. Not Ed Richards though. Not not a hybrid.
0: Like, just no, a mid sized defender. He, can play. he Eastern, can't play tall. Easton Wood wasn't exactly a hybrid, but he still did it. Well Easton Woods. Just like lack Richards of, can.
1: Yeah, but Easton Wood's lack of hype is compensated for by his you know, leap. You know, he could he could he, there was a reason that they nicknamed him Superman, because he could leap over tall buildings. I don't think Ed Richards has that. Capacity certainly not to to the extent that Easton Wood
0: did. Not Richards, is a, Richards extent, is a good. De- he's still got Richards very is strong a strong defensive attribute.
1: Richards is a good defender and a very good back flanker. But if he's on the third tall, I'd be concerned. I don't. I don't, th- no, I don't as think. As you. I don't think he's not equipped as for you, that. Yeah. Coffield, yes. Karmas, yes. And, and really, it is it is a height thing. I mean that that that's ultimately all it is. And Karmas and Coffield do have the height to combat that. I don't think Richards does. And I don't think his his leap is sufficient enough to make up for that lack of height. With the way the I'm way still taking was able a to get share of innocent marks. Yes. Yes. No, this this is true. This is this is true. But yeah, I, I just think if you're gonna pit him against the opposition's third tall defender and have him play on that player rather than play off that player. Yeah. I don't know how I would how comfortable I would be with that, but we we agree to disagree on that. Very I mean, intrigued
0: to see how it goes. It will, yeah, Very interesting.
1: Like happens. so, so like if you're putting together your best twenty two, and you'll sort of reveal this in time, we both will. Uh, I suspect. I think we both agree that Jones and O'Donnell are in there. Agreed.
0: Yes, I think. Yeah. uh I think you and I and many fans were traumatized by the. Uh, the three key defenders set up last year, so I think we're sticking with two okay. at the moment. So, I think that's what Wolf we'll... So what,
1: what is the third, then? What What would be your third?
0: Is it Richards? I said it would, it would still be that mixture of those two. I would happily stick with that and back those players, such as Cockfield, such as Richards, to, to do their job. They want to be specific thirds, but they're better than fourths. So... so again dare I say it that they're three and a halves there are these weird numbers I think that they they're very much they've got similar attributes yet they've got different skill sets one is again a distributor who is confident in the air and another one knows how to win the ball back but is still relatively sound by foot so they're sort of identical twins but with different halves that they excel at you know one's better at Option B and one's better at option A, and then obviously the switching around. one's lesser at option A and the other one's better at option B and that sort of thing. So I think that's how you know, I think they're, they're a good pairing together.
1: But those it, two. it does sort of sound like though Jones and O'Donnell on their own do not provide enough height in that defense that you would need.
0: No, I, I you would need a Coffield or a Karmas. Secure... Yes,
1: the review, Nick, mm. the review. We need to talk about the review. Uh, the review is, of the review. The, the, the review,
0: review of the review.
1: The review of the review. So, I think when we when we broke at the end of last season, we had one review done, but we knew there was another one on the way, and it was going to involve Peter Jackson, who's well experienced at AFL level and particularly in these sorts of matters, had him involved, and. It was very interesting that and we noted this at the time that amit baines and chris grant conducted the original review chris grant was not involved in this one it was just amit baines and peter jackson himself Uh, and there were well i mean there were some interesting findings that came out of the review and one of them was to create a new role that was to be titled general manager of football operations and the definition of the role, according to the club statement, was that it would have operational responsibility for the performance aspects of the men's program, including coaching, physical performance, player welfare, and football operations. Now, Matt Egan, who arrived at the club you know, during the first review and, was, and assumed the role of coaching and, for, coaching and performance manager. So that was the title of his role, and he was to work very closely with Luke Beveridge. He now no longer has that role. He's now the general manager of football operations. I find that very interesting. That the one question that I have that was never really answered was that now that Egan has vacated this coaching and performance manager role that he originally arrived at the club to play a role or to, or to be, is anyone else going to come in and take that role? Or, or is that just, is that, that a null no,
0: void no, role now? That is correct. So that's it was meant to be again. We'll see how long it's, we'll see how long it takes. Just like with other things, but yes, the intention is someone will be filling up that vacancy. I find that that's so just, fascinating. You know, put up from Egan,
1: that they created a this this no one had this role beforehand. Like this was a this was a specifically engineered role for Matt Egan or for like they they, they had this role set up for a particular person to come in and assume. And within a, couple of, within a couple of weeks, they've taken that person that, that they've, been, they've been targeting so meticulously out of that to do something else. So what happens now? Who, who takes that role? And, and Matt Egan was about fourth or fifth choice on, on that list for what it's worth. And we've had this discussion about why that's not necessarily a bad thing. But they've come through a lot of options to get Egan for that role. And now they've taken him out of it. And they're going to go to the next name on the list. And I don't know who That's that is. That's a good point, though. I don't know respect, who that could be. respect
0: that option there. It is a very good point you raised there, Matt, to be honest.
1: What did you make of, of how it all unfolded, particularly with the dynamic between Egan, Beverage, Chris Grant, and, and Amit Baines now? it's it's I, don't, I wouldn't go so far as to call it a mess, but it's been well documented. Um, the, the relationship between that those four men have, have had over the past couple of months. I mean the, the one thing I, I took away from it, particularly after the first review, was that well, there's absolutely no way that Chris Grant walked away from things looking better after the first review. No way. And I don't know how much of a concern, like, you know, I don't know how much of a concern that is. But I feel like that caught the club by surprise.
0: I think you're quite spot on with that, uh, you know, (laughs) summarization there. The idea of Grants and the idea of the club in that situation where... From our perspective, okay. So this is not from yeah. connections yeah, no, it's just our perspective, yeah.
1: yeah. I'm just I'm just I'm just seeing it what's was happening. Probably
0: the, I do think it was the right call though.
1: Yeah, I'm just seeing what's happening on the on the outside yeah. and interpreting it. Because I, I think if the club were totally comfortable with um, Grant's position and, and what he was doing and everyone was happy with what he was doing there, there wouldn't have been any issue with him being involved in, in a second review. But they said, No, 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 we, we're not gonna have him involved in this and to be honest, I, I think those findings prompted the second review because they've... You know, because yes, they've, it's, they've
0: it's, good. it's good that they've done that. Yeah, I,
1: oh no, absolutely it is. No, I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of the club admitting, hey, no, 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 we're, we've found a few things that we're not comfortable with here and we want to go over them again and make sure that we're we're absolutely fine with it all. So no, I don't have a problem with the second review, but I think what they've uncovered from the first review caught them off guard. And it's prompted them to have another look at things.
0: Did you think that that was probably the right option? Not the idea of the review per se. I'm thinking the idea of starting internally with the review, then you know outsourcing. Why not? I'm not saying again this was the case, but why not just have someone externally come in and observe the thing? Because it's it's like a different level of self reflection where the clubs realised oh, hang on a moment, there actually are a bunch of problems here that they might not have been aware about, even though it might have been festering, um, you know, for for the year or two years prior or whatnot, but for them to recognise it on their own accords, well, it's interesting that if it took a review to work that out, I just wonder how in-depth the original review was that it wasn't easily seen prior to conducting that review, you know, where all these ideas have come through, not ideas, where all these um, realisations of, okay, we need to fix this, 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 and this, and this, and this. Just how in-depth did the review need to be to find that? Because there seemed to be a lot of discussion, at least across the fans, wondering, you know, what's going on? Should it have taken such an in-depth review to have found those potential issues. And a secondary review to, you know, to summarize again, this is the appropriate course of action.
1: Well, again, I I just think it's a a case of, I think the club felt they knew what was, what all the inner workings were better than what they actually did. I think some of the findings really caught them off guard. And they felt Mm. that the only way that they could properly, you know, comb through all of that was by having a, a second review and and making sure that the the people that... Or, or you know, the, the red flags that had been raised were completely isolated from the review. It was, well, a, it was a very in-depth first review. Like, it really was. I mean, when you think about all of the people that had moved on and all of the people that had come through the club... And this is... We're talking off-field department now, so... Uh, this is Matt Egan, Alex Johnson, Jaron Geary. Uh, I'm sure I've forgotten uh, a couple of others... Um, let me get that let me get their names up.
0: Um, I'll go blank too for a second.
1: <laughs> Daniel Daniel Pratt, sorry, the the defensive coach. Uh, Daniel Duvnyak Zaknich, who's the head of physical performance. He came from the Giants. Doctor Anthony Hipsley, the chief medical officer. They've brought in Brad Johnson, who we haven't even touched on as, as a part time forwards consultant yeah. now. Who as, I as suppose it, is that yes, goal keyword, kicking keyword. coach
0: consultant.
1: He is, is he the goal kicking coach? <laughs> okay, I we, think he technically he is, but know?
0: not in the not probably the mannerisms that we would have you know, that we would have expected.
1: Yeah. But he's there out. So they've, it has been significant turnover. Like, they've replaced just about everybody except Beveridge. And Brendan Lane, I suppose. Oh, and Matt Swanger. Uh, but, but like, course, it's
0: Of uh, well, I can't remember
1: the last time that a coaching team, particularly a Bulldogs coaching team, was overhauled this thoroughly in such a short period of time.
0: Hmm.
1: I mean, it's and not just and like in 2016, everyone sort of was given a different role, but the coaching team was the same. But half of the half of the names here are, are not the same anymore. This is a very very new look coaching setup. So they like to say that you know that you know they were to to raise doubts over the first review. I I don't know whether I agree with that because they put in a lot of effort with this review, a lot, and I think they've. In, in doing all of that, I think they've uncovered a few things that took them by surprise that they weren't expecting to find, which is why you do reviews, <laughs> you know, to, to, to figure out what's going wrong and to make sure that you, that you avoid running into those mistakes again in the future and, and to improve the, the setup you've got around the club. So, I mean, it depends on how you, you choose to look at it ultimately, of course, but I don't have a problem with running into unexpected issues when you do a review that's the whole point if you already knew what the problems
0: were then there's no point doing the review no i just can't believe but as you alluded to there which is again probably quite close to it just how surprised they were by some of the findings you know again it's it's like you know you're taking yourself back you're doing again your own internal uh, self-reflection about where you are at this points of time within your life, you know, what do you want to do? Who do you want to be? What do you want to achieve? Da 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 it's all these sort of things. Ooh. It's like again, how would I say it's like the club to an extent went through like a you know a midlife crisis Well I, uh, I don't trying know. Trying to if work they were... out where it's wanting to do.
1: I don't know if they were surprised by it by it. I that's I am only sort of speculating on that and, and concluding that based on what I'm seeing on the outside. Like it just seems very odd that you've got Two people setting up a review and then off the cuff you decide to do another review but only one of those people is going to be involved in the second time around. there was no there was never a, a planned second review. That that all sort of came off the back of the conclusion of the first review. So that that that's the only reason why I think the first interview or the first review instigated the second one and and the findings from that and decided what the team would be. And I think that's why they've also gone external on that one, because they wanted to make sure there if in case there were any other uh internal discoveries that they had someone from the outside looking in to be able to pick up on them.
0: I'm glad the clubs recognize it. My only concern on that regard is why was it done twelve months later? Because you know you know how I've been calling for some level of a review. I'm going to forget, you know, obviously what happened in 2021, you know, there was, again, in in the overall grand scheme of things, was that year a success? It was a successful season for the most part. Now, you know, for me, I've been calling for something along these lines um, to nip it in the bud before it grows, isn't it? Back in 2019, 2020, and I'm thinking, yeah.
1: You've often said 20 at the end of 2019, I said at the end of 2022. And um, so you you know I was, and, and I was, none are,
0: none are none are wrong answers, none are wrong answers. No. But well, sense.
1: 2021 would probably be a wrong answer. Like you, you don't conduct the, a review after making a grand final, you know. Uh, because clearly, no, the, cl- clearly the club we were doing won- a lot right. <laughs> you're disappointed with the end, but you're not saying the club is in crisis because we lost a grand final. But I get what you're saying. I do. And and I mean I've sort of said the same thing before, but I I say you know like better late than never, and 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 you know we've got you've got to applaud the club for acknowledging that things haven't been great the last twenty four months, and that they could be and should be doing a lot better. And they've said, yeah, yes, no, we're not. Yeah,
0: the general consensus across the industry is, why aren't they doing more? And, you why know, aren't they succeeding? You know, and this is even with us losing talent, yeah. that people within the industry are still saying. This group has got it within themselves on and off the field to get things done. Just imagine if we actually decided to take, well, we're not taking things serious, but just imagine if we decided to really commit to pushing forward prior to these incidents. You know, like, regardless, even if we were to, again, it's just a different thing, but even if we were to have the, the 2024 season achieve everything that we would have hoped for, you know. Bond Brownlow, Norm Smith, the Dogs win the Premiership. We finish top of the ladder for the first time. Tomorrow wins the Colman and Riley Sanders finishes runner-up in the Rising Star. Everything everything (laughs) goes to script, you know. We come up and say, Bailey Smith, you know, you deserve this, you know, for coming up on a medal as well too for those sort of things. Everything's in our dreams. But I think it would probably stupidly infuriate me more (laughs) for the fact is – for the fact of what an absolute waste the what last was, six yeah. years has been. Why didn't they do it sooner? Yeah. That's what and we'll take it, you know, we'll all be smashed and drunk of our face in celebrations if that is the case. But it'll just be more perplexing to saying like that doesn't mean oh, if we conducted the review six years earlier, everything's all solved within the last six days. No, but it's just interesting to say, you know one one final thing do, do what you need to do what? to get things right don't don't just as you mentioned to me a couple of years ago with with certain players on our list why get comfortable
1: yeah exactly yeah you should always be looking why? to improve that's a, that's on yeah. field off field. like you, you should I mean Collingwood will be looking to improve this year why wouldn't they want to look to improve and
0: there's much too they it's blown right back in many people's faces probably even ourselves you know that salary cap saga of theirs, well, they made some really difficult decisions, didn't they? They
1: did, yeah. And now
0: look I so they unpopular unpopular yeah. decisions. And look at this, you know?
1: One well, one thing I will yeah. finally say before we move on with the with the review, and it sort of goes back to, you know, the the how how good a thing it is that the club have done it. They could have easily done the first review and, and taken away the findings that they have and some might have surprised them and others may not have. They could have just done that first review, heard what, yeah, you know, people said, and said, "Well, we've done the review now, so that that's sort of it." But they went, "No, what we've found and what we've uncovered from this review still doesn't satisfy us. So we're going to go again, and we're going to make sure we get it right, and we're going to do things slightly differently. We're going to bring in different people, and we're not going to rest until we're satisfied that every nook and cranny is in the order that we want it to be." What Which is, did you I think,
0: maps of the the time frame, because there'd been a lot of people, fans uh, and even those within the media, you know, when did this review start? Probably what? Early November, mid November, something sort of stuff. like so, uh,
1: that. So the club released a statement on the 13th of November, indicating that the first review had been November. done and that they would conduct a second review. And then the conclusion of the mm-hmm. second review was communicated on the 25th of January. So that is, that's two months and two weeks, roughly. Two and a half months.
0: It is a bit of a time frame. Now, obviously, there's there's no set time frames on when things need to be done. Ideally, you know, you get to the answer, you know, qu- quicker or sooner rather than later in that sense. But do you reckon in this ten week time frame was it above and beyond what was probably required? Do you reckon they've done it just right? Because people were after answers pretty soon. Like, oh, what did you find out from this review? Why even wasn't it been discussed about? You know, even in December. Literally, like a couple of weeks after the other ones, people weren't. Not saying they had to be, but people weren't patient to have all the unfind. Sorry, all the findings be uncovered.
1: Well, Nicole, uh, it it we're still kind of just towards the end of cricket season now. So I'll ask you a question in, in a cri- cricket hypothetical. Say so we're playing a test match. Does it matter if it oh, take? Well, if does it matter if it takes you four hundred balls to get to your century?
0: To, to your century, sorry. Yeah. Again, it depends on the context of the game, but ideally, uh, you know, runs on the board. If it takes, if it depends on the pitch, but if but, you've but, got a hundred for your team and it puts your team in a better position, exactly. A hundred, uh,
1: fantastic. A hundred is, it, I mean, obviously, shorter form is a little different, but a hundred at test level is a hundred, whether it takes you hundred balls, four hundred balls, fifty balls, whatever. I mean, still, hey,
0: don't don't tell that to the baseball fellows. <laughs> no, you know, no, I wasn't go this there. is not the way to go. <laughs> they the, were in such a hurry last night but that, the, you know, it's entertaining yeah, they're, they're and now they can go be. play on the golf course or whatnot.
1: Oh, I was I was looking forward to watching the end of that match. I've missed it. But the the oh, point is it was that so entertaining. I the, must admit, the point is that it it runs on the board ultimately, and and it you, it doesn't really matter how long it takes you to get there, just so that you do. And yeah, I'm sure there would have been people who would have rather the review be wrapped up in in a shorter time frame. I'm sure the club would have preferred to have had it be wrapped up in in a shorter time frame. But what's more important than anything else is getting it right. And if that takes you an extra month, if it takes you an extra week, so be it. But the number one thing about conducting a review is making sure that at the end of it all, you're happy with where things sit. You'd rather get it done right than get it done quickly. So, no, I don't have a problem with, with the time frame or, on that one
0: at all. Or even avoiding the problem altogether, which it, well, yes. the club hasn't done now in this time frame. Yeah. They haven't put it off, which is, I mean unfortunately, in my view, again, this is just my perspective, they seem to have put it off for 12 months. They seem to see, okay, let's let's see how it unfolds, let's see what happens and, and whatnot, okay? But, as you mentioned, they've realized their mistake and they've tried to rectify it. Yep. If
1: it takes a bit of time important to, to iron that out, then then so be it. Because I would I would rather them take an extra month to make sure they get it right, rather than just come to us a month early and say, "Yeah, all all good, no worries."
0: Yeah, no, I'm in I'm, an I'm, off-field I'm of sense, that. fantastic, well done. Uh, speaking of now, you, it all comes down to the uh, to the on-field aspects
1: you, of you, the game. You mentioned the you mentioned the media a little earlier, um, and I've got thoughts on this. Criticism levied towards Luke Beveridge in the past week that he's not done enough communicating with the media in the off season, that he hasn't done enough press conferences and interviews and and all this sort of stuff, and that he should be doing more. Where do you sit on
0: that? He's a coach. He can do the press conferences if he wants, whenever he wants to, you know, there's no, uh, how do I say during the season, it's one thing, but that's because, you know, the, the corporation, that is the AFL, wants uh, exposure. So that's why they have those arrangements with with the media personnel to say, this is your time frame, this is to do this and this and this, okay? But it's interesting, you don't hear a lot of uh, discussion topics from, from other coaches in the off-season. Everyone's keeping their cards pretty close. So so that doesn't mean, you know, why should or shouldn't Luke Beveridge be having conversations, but what's it to... The media world, if we're not having such conversations, hmm. why do they need to know? Is it just because we're the latest, you know, phase, or whether we're, we're the latest equivalent of, you know, Taylor Swift things going on? You know, we're the latest hit now that they've just got to put us in the mainstream media.
1: Well, I think it's ultimately, it's- I think it's ultimately just so people have something to talk about. But if the difference between criti- being criticised and not is one interview. Because I can't think of any other coach that's been that's regularly front of the media this summer. Like I've heard some coaches speak, but not I've I've not heard any coach more than once this this summer. Not one. Not Adam Simpson, not Craig McRae. not Matthew Nix who's had a contract as well, not Ken Hinckley. Like I might have heard from them once, but we're not hearing from them, you know, two or three times a week.
0: Like we are during the season. No, proper. there's no, there's no, there's no need to at this point. The, it's the off season.
1: The other thing what, with, is the point. The other thing with Beveridge, and if, if Beveridge wants to do, a, as you say, a press conference or an interview or whatever, that that's that's fine. And if he doesn't want to do it, that's fine as well. For me, though, I mean, and having yeah you know, been following the Bulldogs and, and following Beveridge closely for nine years now, I could, as far as an interview with him is concerned, I could take it or leave it, because. If Beveridge is good at one thing when it comes to dealing with the media, it's spin.
0: We've spoken about cricket. We he have, would be a, yeah, and he, he, he would be he, a. Imagine, think of it this way: imagine having Shane Warne come on from one end with <laughs> Beveridge from, Beverage from, the, from other. the other. And look, he's. Be, and look,
1: I mean, before people, you know, want to before point, people point out that criticising his approach to to the media, he's not the first coach to put on spin. He's certainly not going to be the last.
0: If he wants to, no, there's, there's been, there's been yeah, many others.
1: If he wants to be cryptic with his messaging to the media and whatnot, that's there's nothing new in that regard, and he's totally fine with doing that. But the yeah, point it is, it can be the
0: media's job to to research it and find out. That's yeah. their job, so they can go understand it, anyways. The point
1: is, he could sit down at, in an interview, face to face with whoever he wants, and chat for three hours, four hours. The point is that you're not going to get anything worthwhile out of it, Just because Beveridge isn't that type of coach that gives you worthwhile information to work with so if he yeah, was that's to speak perfectly fine, too. and that's fine if he was to speak what are we actually getting out of it like if you're gonna sit down and interview someone get something out of it like, at least make it worth your while and i just know the way beverage deals with media and answers questions you know it, it, you just won't get that so i'd i'd i i i never really have an issue with him not speaking for a couple of reasons firstly because it's summer and like really who cares anyway and b because i know i'm not going to get anything out of it anyway So I I just think criticism in that because, like, damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? Because we'll complain that he's not speaking, but when he does speak, we'll complain that we're not getting what we want from him. So,
0: yeah, I I don't know. Not you, but what what do you want from him, though? You wanted him to speak, and here he's speaking. Yeah, Exactly. If you wanted to speak, well, if you wanted to hear something that you wanted to say, well, why not just give him a script? Then you wouldn't be listening to what he would want to say. You're listening to yourself effectively.
1: Yeah, yeah. You you want to hear what you want to hear, not what he has to say necessarily. So yeah, I I just thought that was a yeah, that, that was something that came up uh, in the past week that yeah, I just thought was really odd criticism. Um because like I say, I mean, if he is speaking we'll be complaining about what he's saying, as opposed to, you know, him not speaking at all. One final bit of news that we've gotta to, gotta to get out of the way. No Q and A. Uh, this week to to get us started because there's a lot of off-field stuff that we had to unpack and we've got a little bit more here. So our leadership group for 2024, Nick. Now you'll be you'll probably won't be surprised to hear that Marcus Pontempelli is is still considered good enough to be captain of the side.
0: He, he's just snuck in. <laughs> okay. um, I will say this. I will say this is it is unanimous. Not only of course within the club, but I am glad to see. Um, again, he's a he's a controversial figure, uh, to say the least. But uh, one k corns had him ranked as the best what captain? Best captain awesome. in the NFL, Yep, yep. And I think yep. that's yeah. No, and that's and, and that's undisputed in my view. I can't. Uh, there should not be any consideration as to anyone else uh, across the league.
1: I think Toby Green was a fair winner of last year's captain of the All Australian team. Like, I mean, maybe it surprised a few people. But when you think about it, you go. I mean, and this is sacrilege to say because we're talking about Toby Green on a Bulldogs podcast. But I, you know, I I I don't think we can have too many complaints about that decision. Like I think either would have been worthy recipients of, of the honour. Um, I, I feel like it was a pretty line ball call. And to be fair, I mean the the narrative around Toby Green probably played a bit of a role. He's been he's been pretty well behaved since that incident with the umpire in the twenty twenty one final series. Forget the umpire's name, he's, he's, Yes, he's, which uh, uh,
0: which knocked out the salty swans.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes, it did. They're, they're, they've also, they've uh, also Another, competing.
0: another news uh, flash. Dare I say it? Thank you, Dan Hanbury, for <laughs> bringing back some wonderful memories of 2016 a couple of weeks ago. Was, was can't, game, yeah. can't thank you more than yeah, that.
1: No, I'm trying to I'm trying to think about all those all those goals we scored from free kicks, like the the one when um, uh, Dale Morris brought down Buddy Franklin with a broken back. That was a good goal from a free kick. The rest of this leadership group, Tom Liberatore, vice-captain. So, first time in a decade he's been involved in the leadership group. First time under Luke Beveridge. He's vice-captain, which I love this call. This is a fantastic call. Uh, deputy vice-captains, we've got two of them. So, it used to be just captain, vice-captain, and deputy vice-captain. It used to be. Uh, now, we've got a captain, a vice-captain, two deputy vice-captains, and an extended, just just called leadership group the rest so the deputy vice captains are Aaron Norton and Caleb Daniel and then just this is just the leadership group so I mean I already thought those first four leaders were part of the leadership group but maybe not Taylor Jure Liam Jones and Ed Richards so what have we got here we've got two midfielders four defenders and a forward make up this
0: leadership group and I said Norton is meant to be
1: the captain of the
0: forwards it's meant to be assumed yes the captain waiting I'm still a bit I mean, I know I made the call, of course, last year, saying that, that that is the case, and of course now it's starting to be a bit more confirmed. I am still a little bit having some reasons that he will be the captain because there's still a lot of you know, maturity uh, for him to, you know, to evolve into. But we'll see what happens. He's amongst some very good people at the club um, that can guide him through to to be the leader that not only the leader that he can become the leader that we need him be, specifically yeah. as well. He He's probably, oh God, this is a bit odd too, but he's probably got it in him, Norton this is, to be the first captain, or captain in waiting, that has the ability to become the game breaker and change games the way that I think Nick ruot had.
1: Oh Nick, <laughs> we have started with uh, Joel Frazier to Gary Ablett Senior. <laughs> oh, that was a, that was a pure
0: dare I say that was an interesting one. That's just not kicking off But no, And we, saying, I'm we finished with Aaron Norton. He has, Norton the, capa- and re- has the, capacity. the capacity. He's got the capacity. This is within his, you know, ability. It's but, a matter of him now actually, realising, just how serious a footballer, uh, and as well as a as a potential captain does he want to be and there really isn't a ceiling in that sense to you know we've got it for eight years and i'll touch wood and that sort of things but i don't see it as that atlanta should call because (laughs) he's going to be playing in one of the most important positions on the ground he's got the belief in himself
1: well he's playing he's playing a different role now isn't he he's sort of he's been moved up the ground a bit According to
0: to David, yes, Keyes. As, a cent, as a centaur forward, of course.
1: Yeah, he's gonna, he's now playing in the he's now playing a, a Jeremy Cameron type role. Gee, I'll tell you why I wouldn't mind no, a cheers. Jeremy Cameron type player.
0: <laughs> yes, just keep him away from finals. <laughs> That's all we need. No, no Cameron there. <laughs> oh God, uh, but um,
1: and the 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 key omission from the leadership group though is is Jackson McRae, who was vice captain. Now he's not in the in the group at all. Mm, and nursing
0: player his, voted, of course.
1: Uh, and is nursing his own. Injury concern with a with a hamstring. I don't think we'll see him on Friday. Uh, and
0: no, and, no, uh, we will not see him on Friday.
1: And you've you've told me before we went to where that we won't be seeing somebody else either.
0: Yes, yes, I will double check that, but I'm pretty pretty confident uh, that that, would be the, uh, that uh, it will be the case that uh, Jamara Yugo or Hagen will not be featuring uh, this Friday at our. Home grounds, of course. Do we know So we'll see.
1: Do we know why?
0: Do I do we know why? Yeah. Oh well I've only had just small little snippets, but I'm keen to find well, uh, out. Let what me guess I can.
1: let me guess. He's too busy signing that multi year contract with the with the Bulldogs. He'll be, it'll be all I, I, know, I know is
0: that I'll keep saying it. It hasn't happened yet, but for for all that is holy, just take it to the bank that it's done. That's all I can say to you. Seriously. Can you give us a blinking? Bank.
1: Can you give us equally positive news on Marley Smith and, and Tim English? Because Collingwood fans have already been telling me that Smith is the recruit of the Year.
0: Yeah, he, he is. He'll be the recruit of the Year for us in uh, 2025. Of oh, course he will. good. Um, good. Yes, that'll be fine. Again, I'm not, uh, not exactly nervous on... If I was to be nervous on a player, and that's not to say that I am really... I would be more nervous on English than Smith, okay. but I'm not that nervous at all on English at all in that context too. Um, from my understanding, is that I, I don't think he's actually spoken to other clubs at <laughs> all. Clearly, it's early in the year. Yeah. The conversations are only revolving around discussions to Sam Power. That's all it is. It's good start. It'll good probably, start. if it is to be, I'm just saying, if it is to progress beyond Sam Power. It probably wouldn't happen to the midway, or maybe you know, two thirds of the way of the season. That's mm. probably when we start to wonder, okay, what is going on here a little bit. But, yeah, uh,
1: no, yeah. If we get, to, we've we, got we, to hold
0: firm. We've if, got to hold firm in our in our stance, and he's got to also understand that too.
1: If we get to, this, it's normally when you get to the second half of the year. If we get to the second half of the year and they still haven't signed, that's when that's when the panic button starts to starts it's, to be pushed.
0: It's not often. No, it's not often that it does happen. But you know, I mean, geez, think of it this way: again, a different different player. But uh, up until the oh, geez, up until the preliminary final in twenty seventeen, Dustin Martin hadn't even hadn't signed yet. No, and it was pretty much at the time a unanimous thought that he was gone. Regardless, who was
1: the, who was the one for the Giants in twenty nineteen? Was it Canelio or Kelly?
0: Cornelio they... was in twenty nineteen. Kelly, of course, was in twenty seventeen.
1: No. Oh, that's right. He's still on that nine-year deal, isn't he? Uh, yes, he is. All right. Well, that's, that's just about, I think, a good uh, a good note to wrap things up for the first episode of 2024 of the Salty yep. Bulldog. Nick?
0: And this probably won't be our longest episode also, probably oh, while we're abso- at it. Absolutely. Get no, 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 no.
1: This is just, this is just a warm-up. This is our intra-club hit-out. Uh, speaking of intra-club hit-outs and, and practice matches, Bulldogs we're playing Hawthorne uh, at... Friday, on Friday at the Western Oval. I think it's from 11.30. Uh, I'll be there. Nick, you'll be, I don't
0: know, doing I'll something. be working
1: away. Oh, yeah, that's... that's I'll be oh, working yeah, that's, away at
0: my 8.30 till 5 o'clock job.
1: That, that's right. You said it was important, but yeah, I don't know. I think important is a bit of a stretch. Uh, what we will promise, though, uh, is that after the match, have got to figure out the logistics of it all, but after the match, we'll be doing a Twitter Spaces to review the match. So keep an eye out there. well, it's not Twitter Spaces, it's X Spaces, but you know what I meant when I said Twitter Spaces. So we'll be doing that in the aftermath of the Bulldogs Hawthorn game on Friday. We'll be reviewing everything that takes place over the course of that match. Hopefully, we walk away with it reasonably unscathed, and a win would be nice as well. It's a bit of a that would be fantastic. It's a bit of a throwback to the start of the twenty twenty one season. So I mean, things are looking up from a Bulldog's point of view. Salty Bulldog Podcast will be available throughout the year on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere else where you tune in to to all of your favourite podcasts will be there. Uh, Our social media channels as well. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Our website as well, www.thesaltybulldog.weeksite.com forward slash home. It's going to be a fun year, regardless of what the Bulldogs do on field. Uh, Nick and I are going to have have a lot of fun interacting with you throughout the course of the year and doing these episodes on a weekly basis. We've got... Some exciting things planned for this year as well, given that it is the club's 100th season at the slash afl level, which we flagged at the at the top. Uh, back in 1925, they they started a, in a match against Fitzroy. Uh, Fitzroy only won by nine points, and they I think they they made finals that year, nearly made finals anyway. Uh, it's a long, long, long time ago, and we've got some plans hatching to celebrate that. So stay tuned for that. Nick, great to have you back on board. Thank you for your time.
0: Fantastic stuff, Nats. Uh, again, welcome back to River run and uh, very much looking forward to seeing what can be done on and off the field for our football
1: club. To all our listeners, wherever you be been tuning in, great to have you back. We look forward to having you tuned in again next week. But until then, take care.